Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul was writing this to the Colossians and he said, pray that the door be open. I'm calling us as a church to pray that we walk through the open door that God has for us here at New Life. Verse 3 says, pray that he may open a door for the Word, for the Word of God, for the power that we just sang about of the Word of God. When we speak the name of Jesus over problems and circumstances, God moves and God works. There's some examples of Paul and the open doors. At the end of the first missionary journey with Barnabas in Acts chapter 14, verse 27, He says, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul explains, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door of effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Here we see a wide open door, but you know how the enemy works? When there's an open door, when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're moving with God, then problems, Satan tries to attack and come, and his whole mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, a door was opened for me in the Lord, But my mind could not rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Again, the open door. Miraculous set of circumstances that God allowed the effectiveness of the gospel to be preached. When you and I go out, when we go on missions trips, when we uh, go witness to our neighbor, the door is open for us to share the gospel. But we pray not only that the door be open, but the word be powerful in us. As new life, I believe we should pray for the circumstances in all of our ministries that the door be open. God's opened a great door for us. I mean, we have, like I said, we have a mission field here. I bet there's less than 10 kids that are what we would call church kids that go to that school. There's close to 70 students right now and pray that we get a few more, but that's a mission field because every every child needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They share the word with them. As you heard, they pray over them. And we know this, that whatever situation is at home, They're going right back into, I'm sorry, that's buzzing and ringing. They might, they're living in difficulties and trials every day. That's what they wake up to. But God provides a little respite, if you will, a little place of comfort and love here. They act out, they mess up. How many have ever been visited Sparrow and Worked, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Stephanie works there every day. But 
those kids need, they're, they're calling out for love. We have the love of Christ in our hearts that we can share. And anyway, that's my plug for Sparrow. Uh, they were here first service, so that's why they slipped out. Be in prayer. Be in prayer for our staff and the, and the students there as well. But God has more for us. We have missionettes and rangers and children and ages zero to 100. And uh, we just had a funeral for uh, Alec Anderson, 101 years old. I don't know if anybody older than that. But God has a, an opportunity for us to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ here in every way. The first goal that Paul says, open a door. We want the opportunity to share. I hope you desire the opportunity to share the love of Christ where you are and who you come in contact with. So many times we feel like they already know. You give God the opportunity. Be prayed up and ready to speak. The second thing he said, the clarity and boldness to proclaim the Word of God. Clarity and boldness to proclaim the Word of God. We need to not only be ready with the Word, but let the Word speak deep in the soul of who we're sharing with. Deep into their heart. Let God use you. God will bring Scripture to your mind. God will bring a Word to you and and you just share it and God just opens the door. Have you ever talked to someone or prayed with someone and they said, how did you know? Well, it had to be the Spirit of God working and moving in you. And God wants us not to sit back and wait for the next pastor to get here and pray. We're going to pray for him. But it's, we've, we've got to step in. There's many roles to fill. Uh, Pastor Davis, 17 years pouring his heart and soul into this place, and I hope he enjoys his cold vacation. <laughs> but it's not time to sit back, okay, let's just wait for the next person. No, we've got to continue and do more. I, I talked to Pastor the other day uh, before he left, and he, uh, he said, what are you most worried about? I said, I'm most worried about messing up. What you've, what you've done here. And I, my goal is to not mess up. But we can't just sit back and not mess up. We've got to go and do what God's called us to do. Amen. So we need, to, we need these doors open to us, but we also, there's some things in our life that we might need to shut the door to. <laughs> there's some things that can get in. We know sin is one of those that we need to close the door but there's a couple I want to mention. We need to shut the door to distraction. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3, it's the prophet Elisha speaking to the woman who didn't have a lot and she owed a lot of money. Her husband had died and, and she went to the man of God. He said, what do you have in your house? And she said, a little cruise of oil. He said, have you and your sons gather all the vessels and bring them in. Let me read this verse chapter 4, verse 3 of 2 Kings. Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it on one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought jar jars to her and she kept pouring 
until they ran out of vessels. That is a miracle of God. But she had to shut the door to all the distractions. She had to shut the door to what was happening. The um, issue in your life and mine when we're trying to maybe pray, study the Word, uh, seek God. When, this week when I'm right in the middle of getting some things ready for my sermon, the phone rings. The, there's a knock at the door. There's, the, there's distractions all around. When you're deep into devotion with God, then the kids start crying or you know, you name it, it happens, right? The distractions. We got to shut the door to those things in our life. Many people say, well, I can't minister for God. I've got all this other going on. What is our main focus? What has God called us to do? That's what we need to focus on. One of the best examples is Peter stepping out of the boat. He says, Jesus, if you bid me, call me out there. And Jesus said, come on out because he's walking on the water and Peter's like, hey, I'd like to do that, right? So he steps out. What does he do? He begins to look around and he took his eyes off of Jesus and he saw all the storm raging and the waves and he began to sink because he lost focus of what his purpose was, what he was to do. As a church, we need to keep our focus. What are we here for? Are we here just for me? No, we're here to see the lost be saved. We're here to mend broken hearts and touch people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. It's not to gain some influence for ourselves. It's to preach the name of Jesus and share him with the lost and dying world. So shut the door to all those distractions in your life that keep you off the main point. Have you ever taken stock of your life? Most people do this the beginning of the new year. Where am I at? Where am I going? Well, where are you at spiritually right now? And let's, let's, where are you headed spiritually? Where does God want us to go? That needs to be my focus. And is what I'm doing over here, it may not be sin, it may not be, uh, it may not matter anything except it keeps me off my priority and my ultimate focus on God. The second door we need to shut is a door to doubt. Doubt. Or, if you will, a lack of faith. So many people worry and they, we worry about things we can't control. I could worry about the weather coming. Uh, somebody said it's going to rain Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I could sit here today and worry about that and think, you know what, I need to buy a new umbrella. I need to make sure I have my jacket in my car. And uh, I could worry about it, but what's the point? It either is going to rain or it's not going to rain. I'm either going to get wet or I'm not going to get wet. That doesn't matter, right? But we do. We focus on things that don't matter. What's the doctor going to say Tuesday? Well, wait till Tuesday. I know that's a, um, I'm going to use pastor's Greek word for, you know. <laughs> we worry about things we can't control. The Bible says in Matthew, worrying's not going to make you grow any, any taller. Worrying's not going to put food on your table. It's, it's not. God will take care of us. And God wants to see. God's not going to bring new life to a place where we are now and say, okay, I'm done with you. Move on. No, God has a plan for us. Let's shut the door of doubt. So 
Great example, Luke chapter 8, verse 49. Jesus is touching and ministering and healing folks. And uh, there's a man by the name of Jairus. And he said, hey, my daughter is almost dead. She's very sick. Will you come to my house and pray? And Jesus says, sure. And as he's going, the woman with the issue of blood touches him. And he, she's healed. And then they run to, to Jairus and say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. Like, you know, here's this doubt. So they, Jesus said, don't listen to him. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And everybody laughed. But in chapter Luke 8, 49, it says, your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about things you can't change. Trust and believe in God, and he will see you through. Verse 51, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the parents. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her, and Jesus said, stop wailing. She's not dead, but asleep. And he touched her called her by name, she arose from the dead. But he had to shut everybody out that was just all oh, over the top. You ever seen people over the top on the problem and the difficulty? You got to have faith. Jesus said, I want everybody out. You know, when something happens to my kids, when there's a problem, it, nobody going to stop me from praying. No distraction, no doubt's going to stop me because I want to see God move in their lives. The same thing for uh, Jesus kicked everybody out except his three close or very close apostles and the child's parents. You know why? Because they could believe God. They wanted their daughter alive. They didn't want to see her die. So they had faith to believe Jesus could do it or they wouldn't have gone for and asked him to help anyway. Kicked them all out and said, let's do it. She came out and everybody rejoiced because she was resurrected. Let me tell you, don't lose heart. You think circumstances might be uh, beyond your control. You don't understand what's going on. You have no idea how it's going to resolve. We can't worry about how it's going to get fixed. We just have to trust in the Lord. Amen. We have to believe Him. It doesn't mean we don't do, but you know what? Prayer is the best action you can do. Lord. Pray and say, God, let's see this through. Help me. Help me, Lord Jesus, see the miracle. So shut the door to doubt. So Paul mentioned three things in verse 2 that I read. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So I want to quickly go over these three things. He said, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue. Steadfast means be constant, be devoted. It's not the uh, hit or miss. It's not, okay, when I think about it, I'll pray. It's being devoted. It's knowing. We're praying and believing for this. I think sometimes we're a little too casual in our prayer. I don't know about you, but in the last month after Pastor uh, announced his resignation, I probably prayed a little more. 
And many of you have been, y'all prayed more for me this week than you have in a long time. Or whoever was going to be here today, right? Continue to pray. The more you pray, the better I'll preach, I'm just saying. I thought about this, you know, why wasn't I praying that hard before? Sometimes we just sort of, you get in the flow, right? When you face a difficulty in trial, when the car breaks down, you have no money to fix it, or maybe you're losing your job or whatever, it seems like we pray more. God wants us to pray steadfast and earnest for what God wants to do in your life and mine. The second thing He wants us to be watchful, watchful in our prayer. If if you look up meanings of names, my name means watchman, Gregory means watchman. So this has sort of been drilled into me all my life. But I picture the walls of a city in the Old Testament where they put watchmen on the walls and they're they're keeping an eye out on what where the enemy could attack or if he is coming and they sound the alarm when they see the enemy coming that is what you and I are to be we're to be watchmen on the wall of our family on the wall of the ministry of this church lord let us see and let us pray it's not that we're going to put on physical armor and load up our weapons it's we're going to stand and fight the battle Fight the fight of faith and believe God for a miracle. Believe God. The last thing says, pray with thanksgiving. Be thankful. I'm thankful for my salvation. You know, somebody that... uh, If we want to share the gospel with someone, the same thankfulness I have for God saving my soul should be the same energy I have to tell others about Jesus so they can experience what I have. It's, I, I think sometimes we think salvation is just where we don't have to go to hell. Right? It, uh, they call it fire insurance. Okay? But salvation is so much... There's a peace of God when you give your heart to Jesus. There's a peace you walk in every moment of the day. There's a, there's a place in God where you, you know you're with God. When, I, when, when there was battles raging in my life, if I knew I was in the place where God wanted me, I knew He'd see me through. If you, uh, as a young man, we, we would go to these, uh, our youth group would go to Six Flags, and they didn't have, we never came to Florida for Disney, but we'd do these things uh, ride the roller coasters, right? And a little country boy like me never had a roller coaster. Uh, Every day going to school was a roller coaster because pastor lived down in the valley. My family lived up on the mountain. So Uh, anyway, I would go and I'd be scared to ride the roller coaster. I would watch the kids smaller than me go up and just love it. So as I'm observing then, I'm thinking, well, if they can do it, I guess I can. So I did, but I, I held my breath all the way and white-knuckled all the way down, but I finally did it, right? Uh, I, I don't like anything that spins upside down now that I'm old. I get real sick and dizzy and all that, but I, I, I don't mind fast. 
Just don't spin me around, flip me on my head. But when, when we're walking with God and we're, we're fearful, then we've lost sight of who He is and how He's planned our life, how He's working all things together for our good. There's a new song out. It says, if it's not good, God's not done. So if what you're going through doesn't feel good right now, just hold on. God's not done yet. God, God wants to, He will, the Bible says, complete that work that is in us. God's called us to this place to minister. I want to go to Psalm 78, verse 12. It's about the children of Israel wandering in the desert and how they messed up, but how God still opened the door despite that. Verse 12, He did miracles in the sight of the ancestors in the land of Egypt. He divided the sea, led them through he made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with a cloud by day, with light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness, gave them water as abundant as the sea. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? I like this response. When the Lord heard them, he was furious. <laughs> When we complain, when God's done all these things for us and we're still complaining, I think God's not happy with us because that means our faith has dropped. For they did not believe in God or trust in His deliverance. Yet, verse 23, He gave a command to the skies above and He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for all the people to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. Despite of who they were, God still answered their prayer. Now, I'm not saying go do what you want. God's still going to answer prayer. That's not the point of that. The point is, even when we've messed up, even when we've stepped out and done something wrong, if we come back to God, the Bible says if we sin, but we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it takes our step to go. God wants to open the door of opportunity to us here. There is a door for us to step in. There's opportunity for ministry. I was thinking about our Sunday school. And if, you're, if you don't attend Sunday school, this plug is for you. You ready? All right. As a parent, I sent my four boys to school every day. And the rule in our house was, unless you're throwing up or you have a high fever, you're going to school. It doesn't matter how you feel, how good or bad. Those were our two criteria. And I think a couple times they might have stuck their finger down their mouth, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but we send our kids 
to school, and if they go to a public school, you don't know all the influences that are there, and I'm not promoting one or the other. I, I taught public school for 16 years. As a licensed minister, ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, I was teaching school. I run into students all the time, and uh, do you, are you still a pastor? Yes, I am. Okay. But we send them to school to be influenced five days a week by people we may not fully want influencing our kids' lives. Yet, we don't bring them to Sunday school who we actually do background checks on all our teachers and they love Jesus with all their heart, okay? 45 minutes a week. And then when they graduate high school and decide they don't love Jesus at all, we wonder what happened. They don't have enough of the word. Come on. And if, and if, all, you're, if all they're getting is a 35, 40 minute sermon on Sunday, that's not enough to sustain them. You need to have devotions at home and prayer, and not just prayer, but get into the Word. But also, let's think about Sunday school. 45 minutes, share the Word with them. Uh, they have activities. Be faithful. Be faithful. Now, I know it, I, don't get any, I don't get paid any more if the Sunday school gets bigger. All right? So the, that's somebody say, well, he's just doing that, so pad the numbers. No. It has nothing to do with it. I care about your kid's soul. I care about my grandkids. I care about my kids. I care about your kids. These almost 70 kids that are in Sparrow, I wonder what, uh, they get a Bible class during the week. They get chapel every week. That's just a small little segment. Then they go home to God knows what. Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, uh, physical abuse, some of them sexual abuse. They're, they're going home to play. That's why they, they don't mind coming here because there's a refuge here for them. How much more should we want to pour into those kids and our kids who Jesus is? And let him let them know the word even more. That's my plug for school. Some we need workers in every area here at New Life. We need from the safety team. If I mention all of them, you know, we we need workers. We do background checks on anybody working with children under eighteen. So make sure before you approach us that, and you need to be part of the assembly for a while, but. Besides that, we need you. Uh, somebody said, well, I'm not called to do that. Well, the other day I was walking down the hallway and I smelled the trash. There was something in the trash. I don't know what it was. I didn't want to look and see. But I didn't walk by the trash and say, you know what? Somebody ought to empty that trash can. They should have come. And no, I took the bag, gathered it up, carried it out. So if something needs to be done... We just do it. I don't have to be, God did not call me to be a trash collector. I will tell you this about my older brother. When he was growing up, he, wanted, he loved seeing those guys ride on the back of those trucks to collect trash. He wanted to be one. I hope he's watching today. He'll be embarrassed. He's the president of Evangel University now. 
But anyway, do what God's called us to do. The door is open. The, the greatest door He's opened is right, right here in the ministries we want to do. We want to do more and more. We have faithful workers. I appreciate everyone that does so much around here. I've been here almost, uh, August will be 15 years, and we've seen God do wonders and miracles, and we want to see God do even more. I want to see more missionaries on the wall. I want to see us do even more for Christ. But it takes all of us together in one accord to accomplish what He desires. The door is open for us if we want to walk through. So what are we waiting for? We, we, are you waiting on that sky rider in the sky? I'm calling you. You know, How many put fleeces out to God? I do. God, if, if you really want me to witness this person, if you really want me to uh, say what I feel like I need to say, have them do this. Have them come up and stand off to the side by themselves. And I'll know... We're like Gideon. We keep adding more things. Okay, God, I want the fleece wet. No, now I want it dry. If God has called us and equipped us, God wants us to work and move and pray and seek God. What would God have me to do? The greatest thing you can do, and we're, we're going to do it corporately at the end of the messages on Sunday night, is pray. Intercessory prayer. It breaks the bonds, it breaks the yokes.